It's been a week of cup competitions and draws. And between Europe and the FAI Cup, some teams are struggling and some are dreaming big. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the Women's World Cup has grasped us off from the very first kick. The FAI Cup second round draw makes for interesting reading. Well, except for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, there's some good results in Europe last week. Well, except for Shamrock Rovers. And... Are Sky Sports going to show League of Ireland matches? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com and Nathan, the Summer's Cup competitions have kicked off and you had a little bit of a European adventure yourself. Yeah, a bit of an excursion uh, out of the big kickoff office. A bit of an extended trip actually, Roy, because in a typical dozy fashion, we missed our flight home, didn't we? So we had a little uh, extended stay in Brussels and then flew from Brussels to Glasgow, had 12 hours of boozing in Glasgow. Really got the word boozing, I'm still locked a week on. Um, and then flew home, broken then from Glasgow at like 11 o'clock in the night, but we didn't land till like 2 in the morning because Ryanair just, just loved the layers, don't you? Especially when you have your eyes <laughs> hanging out your head. But look, you know what, actually, by, by, even by myself, like a morning, it was an absolutely brilliant trip. Uh, great bunch of lads, really, really enjoyed Luxembourg. Just unfortunate about the result, really, uh, and the performance in the night by Pats was seriously below standard. Uh, got beaten 2 1 on the night, um, and all the match day points and drinking in the stadium and stuff really doesn't uh, it doesn't let you forget how bad of a performance it was. Like, you only got one shot on target, and that turned out to be the Mark Doyle goal in the 90th minute. Um, wasn't much better, obviously, in, in the return leg in Richmond Park. Pa- uh, Pats now dumped out of Europe, uh, by F91 do the launch, and probably. Justly so too. Uh, it was actually a thrilling game, Roy. I don't know if you got to see it in Richmond Park. I seen the no. second. Yeah, yeah, I did. I see, I seen the one in Richmond Park. I didn't see the first game, and it's the second game really and truly. Listen, they have some good players. That there's there's no doubt about that. But some of the defending was awful, and yeah, yeah basically the defending was awful. They 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 gave them too much space. They gave them too much respect, and just very sloppy. Yeah, um, before we get into the past defence, probably one of the worst own goals I've ever seen in terms of the dude launch yeah. keeper uh, in Richmond Park. He definitely had a couple of quid on himself to score any time, didn't he? With, uh, with whatever was <laughs> going on there. Uh, but yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I thought, especially in the home leg, when we got ourselves back into it, we went uh, 3-1 down on aggregate. I thought to myself, well, that's it, done and dusted. But he got himself back into the game, but mm. just left himself overly exposed and overly open to be honest he could have been a bit more cautious and just lend it into extra time because that would have suited Pats down to the ground and this is the F91 dude, uh, dude launch so it's there aren't they're still only in their, in their early hours of the pre-season at the moment this is only the second competitive game uh, this season so far so you, you'd imagine if he got it into the deeper waters it would have suited St. Pats but now far more open at the back if it wasn't for Dean Lyons and goal the toy could have been over much earlier than that but it's the hope that kills you, Roy, isn't it? It's the hope that kills you in the end uh, that gets you there. Uh, I know Do you think it's off. fair enough to say, Nathan, that Pats going forward don't really look too much of a threat? And it's a strange with the C as well, isn't it? You know, at one point, just for this game alone, they had uh, Bo Connor Carty and Alan Doyle up top and you thought 
look that that's that's the where the points on the goal is going to come from. It's going to be there, but the lack of service to them, I thought, on the night was was extremely lacking. I actually like Conor Carty as a, as a striker. He's really grown into it as a whole, but. I think if you're looking elsewhere in the team, you look at Owen Doyle, let's be honest, he, he's gone past his sell-by day at this stage. I thought he had a good season last year. Uh, I thought he came under a lot of unjust criticism, finished up as the second highest goal scorer last year. But the legs just aren't there anymore for someone his age. Unfortunately, Tommy Lonren hasn't hit the ground running the way we uh, we need him to do. Again, that's that's probably a long-term prospect, someone that could come in into play over the next season or two. You do have someone there in uh, a player, a lad in Mason Neely, that has a, a lot of eyes on them. And I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, oh, there was a chance to throw them in, into these games. And, you know, we're going to talk about the FLI Cup coming up and we're coming into the, the last legs of the league too with Pats going for going for you. They're still theoretically in the title charge, but I think European football is much more of a realistic uh, prospect for them. But you have a guy in Mason Mead that's you now he's only 15 years of age. You really can't be relying on somebody that young. Uh, to be our main source of, of goals or even your main so- source of a goal threat so I think really are looking at the options Conor Cart is the only one that you're going to be relying on from a St. Pat's point of view Yeah I think probably you're right with the service the service just wasn't there they, they were getting no. themselves into good areas but it was just just the last as you say it's the most important thing though it's the last ball the last little ball treaded through the last cross just but kicking balls out of play I've I, I seen that a few times over the, the European games uh, not only in that game but the, the Shamrock Rovers game as well uh, let, let's just talk about Shamrock Rovers in Europe yeah. let's talk about Shamrock Rovers in general Nathan because strange again, one isn't it we had the FAI Cup they've got knocked out of that by Dundalk they they got easily brushed away by the Icelandic side and in, in Europe they are struggling in the league even though they're top they're struggling. They're, they, they're, they're very inconsistent in their in their games. And I, I think the only reason why they are top of the league is because everyone else has been probably disastrous in, in their results and, and, and their consistency. If there was any kind of consistency with a Derry City or a, or a Bohemians or even a Pats, they, they wouldn't be up in the position they are. They had so much to catch up on. No one should have caught up and that's really down to the rest of them. So... Yeah, it's disappointing. And we said before these European games, we didn't hold out much hope for, for the majority of the teams. Thankfully, Dundalk got through. Thankfully, Derry City got through. But the, the, is the league weaker? What's, what do you think? Yeah, it's a disappointment, Roy, isn't it? Because the quote that got out of Meatloaf and I put it up on the, the, the face on the uh, social media, two out of three ain't bad. When you're looking at uh, the three sides that got through the Europa Conference League, um, but especially from a from a Shamrock Rovers point of view, look, Bree the Black were the richly, richly deserved to get through over the two legs. I thought if you're looking at the first leg as a whole, uh, Stephen Bradley got his selection completely wrong. I didn't understand going with Dylan Watts up top with Rory Gaffney when you have the likes of uh, Graham Bork and and Johnny Kenny uh, sitting on the bench there. So I, I thought that was a, that was a really strange one. And especially then going with Jack Bourne, it was clearly not, not, not fit to play. You know, you have him in the starting level, you, you'd imagine he is fit to play, but he was off the pace completely. But uh, you would have fancied Rovers to get through that one too, uh, from an Icelandic side that I, I don't think are even under a full-time structure at the minute. Um, I, and even now looking at the next rounds, like you have Derry City uh, facing up against Coops in Finland, you, you imagine you get through, but you could have a prospect of facing uh, Basel in Switzerland. That's 
that'll be a non-runner for Derry if they do get through. Dundalk, as you said, beating uh, Bruno's Magpies. They'll be playing uh, in Iceland too, but have a prospect of playing Club Bruges in the third qualifying round of the, of the Europa Conference League. It's it's really looking difficult, really, isn't it, to see any of the Irish sides getting through uh, into the group stages at all this year. In terms of the league being lacking, it's just it is that, that thing of what we are saying. It's Shamrock Rovers set the stall out so well last year in terms of the performance. They, they won the league quite comfortably and, and Rich deserved that. The performances by Rovers this season have not been up to that level whatsoever. The, the reason why they will win the league and they probably win the league by a canter, in my opinion, is as you said, the chase and pack the Derry City's um the Dundalks, and I've seen it from a first hand point of view of St. Pat's dropping points against the likes of Cork and Drotter, they really, really could have pushed on and been, you know, a point or two behind Shamrock Rovers at one stage in the league standings, but they let them opportunity slip. So it's yeah, it's very unfortunate to see that, that we're looking at a highly likely prospect that no Irish side are gonna make the, the group stage this year. And that's gonna be a real because this is the year we are looking to see if we could get one side in to whether that be a Shamrock Rovers at Derry City into the group stages and have, you know, looking at the the, the initial draw could be favourable for for, for Dundalk at one stage. Hopefully Pats could get a little bit further in and that ultimately help with the wave of coefficient ranking, but yeah. we're gonna be stagnant in, in, in that situation again. But very much like, so, very much so. And uh, Again, I know it's easy to point out Shamrock Rovers, but for me, even though Derry City have got through, for me this year, Derry City have been disappointing. Just, yeah, I thought they were going to kick on. I thought there was going to be something extra there. They've had their full, full term or time structure put together. They've had contracts left, right and centre, long term contracts. And you think, right, these are really building towards something. And again, as I said, it's been an inconsistent league and they've been part of it. Yeah, 100%. And when we've seen the likes of Rory Higgins being linked with the Barnsley job, that's what I, I was surprised of the moment when he was because they have been seriously lacking, haven't he, in, in terms of form. Now they're coming into a little bit now with uh, getting through uh, HB Tosh Sharvin and now they had a decent win uh, over the weekend against an Athlone side. Athlone side's doing really well in the fourth division, but you'd fancy Derry City at home there. But I think from, I don't know how you would feel about this, board, but from a Derry City point of view, I think they've really fallen off ever since um, Alan Reynolds departed the club. I just wonder is that a coincidence? But from the drop off to when he left, seems to line up really, really well. Now, I know like Paddy McLaughlin come, came in um, as a number two, and in fairness to Paddy, if Higgins wants to ever leave the club, they could that could be replaced when they're ready to go, whether that be a short term thing mm. or a long term thing. But um, yeah, I wonder, because it lines up so well, how big of an influence was Alan Reynolds uh, up in the Brandywell? Yeah, absolutely. You have to look at these things, but um, yeah. if I was the owner of Derry City, I'd be looking at it and going, okay, I need to put my finger on what's going on here because we should be making better progression this year. And the way Shamrock Rovers have been playing, it, it was a great opportunity to be able to kick on and, and take this uh, league title. They're true, as you said, and we'll talk about in the FAI Cup. They're true, and they're going to be playing your same Pats in the next round. Uh, do you want to run quickly through the draw? Yeah, we'll be through this, will we? Um, as you said, for the uh, the Sports Direct FAI Cup second round draw was made actually earlier today. The standout toy really was, wasn't it? We'll get into the toys in a few minutes, but Derry City versus St. Pats, the Derry, the, the current FAI uh, Cup champions. We have uh, a Munster derby between Cork City and Waterford. Gray will be hosting Dundalk. Dundalk again, fresh off um, a 1 0 win to Shamrock Rovers in the first round of the FA Cup, down to 10 men. Dundalk War, but still held out for that 1 0 win. Uh, Kerry will be hosting Drotter United. Kerry fresh off their first home win 
uh, against Rin Martin Rovers, uh, Rangers, sorry, in, in the last round. So they'd be looking to to keep moving on in the cup in the first year, another home draw. Who knows what could happen there? Uh, Bowers would probably be delighted with his draw, Roy, wouldn't he? They're facing uh, Rockman at the home. And then also yeah. looking at, you know, Derry and Pats, it's another big side that's going to be dropping out of the cup. So Bowers would be delighted with how things are going, uh, coming up against the, the current FEI intermediate cup holders in Rockmoon from Cork. Uh, UCD versus Galway is next up. Galway will be looking to push on from uh, the women's success. We'll probably mm-hmm. something we touch on really quickly here. The, the Galway United women's team winning the first ever All-Ireland Cup beating Cliftonville 1-0 in the showgrounds over the weekend. So Galway, uh, the men's side will be looking to win a bit of more cup success uh, to the West of Ireland. Then to finish out, we have uh, Finn Harps facing Scaries, which will be uh, another uh, amateur team from uh, Dublin that Finn Harris will be facing after playing Kilbarrick uh, in the fourth rounds. And we won't mention the war too much, but uh, St. Pat's CY will be facing Wexford. And I was good, I'd have to say, mate, from a Lugan point of view, uh, to, to, to get knocked out the way he's did. It must have been a really, really disappointing day um, coming up against St. Pat's CY. Well, I'm not going to lie, I didn't get up to see it. But I was exactly the same as you and I was I was text people and just trying to find out what's going on and to score an equaliser and then to concede one nearly straight away uh, at the end of a game. Uh, from, from all reports that I heard, uh, Lucan dominated the game but were sloppy and made big mistakes and and fair play to St. Pat's, they, they took advantage and, and they go through and that's just the way it is, you know, they, fair play to them and they get a good game against Wexford and uh, it be interesting to see if they'll play them at home or will they try and switch it, that'll be an interesting one as well, won't it? Yeah, I, I think if you are looking for a little surprise but to go into the quarterfinals, that could be the one, couldn't it? St. Mm. Pat's facing. look at these in Wexford side, they had a good training win over Avondale in the first round, but if I was just to stick one out, that could be them. Look, Scary's Finn Harps on the ropes in the first division, Um, but that's a long journey for our Scary's uh, to make yeah. all the way up to Bally Buffet. So yeah, if I was to have like a bit of an outside the box one, uh, that would be uh, St. Pat's CY. Look, if anyone interested, those games will be played over the weekend, starting up the 18th of August, and then the weekend after, on the 26th of August, we'll uh, kicking off the Women's FEI Cup. So uh, plenty of cup action over them two weeks. Before we move on, and I know it's something that it's it's going to be no surprise to anybody out here. Did you see the prize money doing the rounds for yeah, the FEI Cup? Yeah, isn't it? The isn't money it really, dropped for the winners. Really, I think so, didn't I? I was, I was thinking that as well. It definitely has dropped. If anyone that didn't, didn't see it, we'll just say uh, quickly just blast through this. Uh, the winners will get 32,000. Uh, the runners-up will get 16,000. Uh, the losing semi-finalists will get 8,000. The losing quarter-finalists will get 4,000. Uh, anyone that was knocked out in the second round will get 2,000. Uh, watch out, actually, Luke and United. There's uh, going to be a grant coming into your account soon. You might get a bag of balls out of that. For, uh, getting knocked out know about that. <laughs> and, uh, and anyone that was knocked out in the preliminary round would just get a kill a kill 500 euro Nathan I believe that it was and people can correct me if I'm wrong but I'm fairly sure that that the, the winners is reduced I thought it was something like 50,000 uh, and people can correct me if I'm wrong and, and do uh, but I think that for the, I think the prize money, the prize money for the lower teams has gone, or for the lower rounds has gone up. I think the second round used to be something like five hundred, and uh, or the first round, 
uh, was 500 so instead of a thousand and stuff like that so I think they still have the same pot but I think they've changed it around a little bit it's really it's fairly pathetic now in all fairness yeah. isn't it 32,000 oh, for winning a cup competition the slap in the face 100% and it'll get to a stage you know if you're in the deeper rounds of the FEI Cup and going for European football in the league as a Premier Division side you will be looking at the FEI Cup in terms like it's prestigious and you get a great day in the Viva Stadium been doing myself and I love it but it'd be like, well, what's the point? You know, European yeah. football is where you get your, your 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 bread and butter in terms of your big financial games in, in the League of Ireland. As it was this point, because I was the same as you, I, I initially thought to myself, again, we could be wrong here, so do correct us, uh, that the winner's purse did go down. I was hoping with Sports Direct coming into it, there, be, there wouldn't be a massive boost, but, but a little bit of a bump in the prize money with the sponsorship deal coming into place. But feel lost as Paul's for believing in Mike Ashley and the FEI to, to be working together and to be improving things like uh, prize money. Absolutely, yeah. That's why I was, I was wondering what, how much actually are Sports Direct putting into it and is that just covering the, the, the prize money or is it more than that? I'd love to know that because, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy, stupid money. Uh, the, to ask cl- cl- our clubs to go out and spend money on security and you know everything you know electricity you know what it is for floodlights and everything it costs so much these days and then to give prize money that's pathetic like that it really is they really need to have a good long hard look at themselves now they do have certain plans coming into and we'll talk about Sky Sports and all that sort of stuff now in, in, in a while but they do have a strategic plan which they're hoping to improve a lot of things and I hope that they do get what they're looking for and then they'll have that money and then there's no excuses. Well that's actually, I'm actually glad you brought that one up there because it actually was something I wanted to, to bring up when we were talking about the European games and now the FEI Cup games as well. As part of that in- infrastructure plan, one thing that has to come into place is, and we can talk about the improvements of facilities in terms of, you know, the, the comfort for fans and the seating, bathrooms and even the playing stuff and things like that. But one thing that definitely has to improve is um, this structure in place for broadcasting, you know, so they don't have to make temporary builds for to rig up cameras or whether that be punditry studios and things like that. So that's something that really does have to improve. And I have seen a lot of people arguing um, and complaining over the lack of coverage, uh, especially in the European games. I know we got the Shamrock Rovers toy in Halle Stadium, was on RTE because RTE have the rights to the Champions League. I understand that that's, you don't have the rights to the Conference League, so I'm not going to be able to show the Conference League games. But mm-hmm. I thought there was a serious lack of coverage of the home tyres on free to air TV in European games. I've seen a lot of people giving out about the FEI Cup that oh, there was no first, first round games shown on RTE, but there never is. The, the FEI Cup only really comes into play. Uh, for tele- television rights and t- for like the semi-final and the final, you might get the all quarter final, but you want to be lucky there. Um, I don't know. How did you? What did you uh, feel about it? I know the games were on LOI TV, but should we be doing more for, especially in Europe, like really pushing the the, the League of Ireland teams in Europe? Like it's on a tourist day; it's not overly clashing with with any major broadcasting. LOI TV is there, so if people want to watch matches, it is there. So. In fairness, that's fine. As you said, it costs money to be able to to show these games. Um, will people watch? You know, if there's if there's one game on, will they watch one of the others? You probably can only have one game on 
for people to get the numbers that you want to get, if you know what I mean. So if if St. Pat's was on, the Dairies and, and whoever else is in this, uh, Dundalk, they probably wouldn't get the numbers then if their match is being showed simultaneously. So I can kind of understand that. I do think... Again, when you talk about, and we might as well go down the, <clears throat> the Sky Sports route now, Nathan, but yeah. when we get the strategic plan up and going and hopefully that they get that money in, um, as you said and you mentioned, I think they've had these talks with Sky Sports and Sky Sports themselves have not backed away, but have postponed or, or paused any sort of uh, discussions purely because of the club facilities and being able to set up around uh, any of these stadiums. Uh, I say, first of all, because a lot of them are an eyesore, and second of all, because of the, as you rightly said, the setup of being able to put a team together and, uh, you know, show a game and have the, the commentary and all that sort of stuff. So uh, the strategic plan is huge for all this, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I, I rightfully saw that Sky do have concerns in terms of facilities. And like you said, I think people will see that word facilities and go to, you know, the Oriel Parks of the world and the, the Weavers Parks that, you know, a bit of a nice sort to look at. But that's the way I interpreted it, that it was, you know, it's not cost effective if you're looking to bring a team week in, week out to these stadiums that aren't set up for regular broadcast and have to set up temporary stands or rigs or uh, any sort of support system for cameras or for, for mics and lighting and uh, even house like a studio of the weather's bad and stuff like that. Uh, so you can see why. I know they, Sky also said that they had their own uh, economic situation going on. That's seen them end the relationship with the likes of GAA. We've seen that too. Um, I'd I'd like to see if I would see Sky's force come into play. There was talk of an exclusive deal coming in, which you'd like to think in turn would see income coming into the clubs, which is just that's the. That's the make or break for me. It's it's how much of the, the club's going to get out of a potential um, of deal going forward. You do have that void somewhat of the summer uh, on Sky Sports. You're always going to have your Formula Ones and you're always going to have your golfs, uh, rugby, things like that, uh, cricket, that people that they're not going to be able to compete with. But in terms of football, there's not an awful lot of competition there. Even when there is summer tournaments in terms of World Cups and European Championships, a lot of them tend to be on free-to-air television um, as it is. So, I'd like to see it, see it coming into place if the clubs are looked after. It seemed to work out well as well with, with uh, up in Northern Ireland with the NIFL Premiership when they had the deal with Sky Sports and deals with uh, with BBC. So once these televisions come into place and look after the clubs, I'd definitely be all for it. Yeah, um, I think the first step is getting the league seen. Um, so it may very well mean that you don't get too much financial I suppose, gain at the start. But the more that they see equality in the league and the more they see an entertaining league, then that might build a little bit. But listen, no way we're talking about big money here because you have to look at the way Scotland is and Scotland gets very little and they oh, would yeah. be miles ahead of us in, in that regard, you know, in their in their their facilities and, and uh, stadiums. So, yeah, listen, it, it'd be great. And hopefully we do, as you said, that structure does come into play and we do build on our facilities and, and the league does sort of stride on. 
there is something there. We all know this and we've always known that there is something there that can be built on and uh, hopefully with that that it's it's going to kick on. Uh, but I think Sky Sports said that they would, they've kind of paused it and the next discussions are in 2025. So they're giving them kind of a couple of years to kind of get things together and hopefully see where we are then. So it won't be any anyway near any sort of short term thing. In, in actual fact, you'd be probably talking 26, 27 before something like this would actually happen. So uh, we're a long way off that. There's a lot of work to be done. OK, Nathan, a uh, fan question. Yeah, got a boy, uh, Kevin Sheridan, helping us out once again. Uh, good man, Kev, appreciate it. Want to be like Kevin, get your questions in to uh, myself, Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan, the big kickoff and all the good social media platforms. We love to take them. Uh, so Kevin's this week, I think we got some similar ones like this before, but um, we'll, we'll take it regardless. Um, he wants to get a thoughts on UK clubs playing friendlies in the Aviva Stadium. And if the marketing push that goes into these uh, friendly games, you know, with like Manchester United playing Electro Bilbao, uh, mm-hmm. Bilbao and uh, Celtic playing Wolves on Saturday. Uh, should the marketing push that these games get, should that be going into the League of Ireland instead? Now, I normally answer first, Nathan, so I'm very interested to hear what you think first. Well, I'm a marketing shill because I'm going to the Celtic and Wolves game on Saturday, so <laughs> I'm in no position to see. Look, me, I've fallen into the, the, to the, um, to the trope, the League of Ireland fan trope of moaning for moaning sake uh, in terms of, you know, like even surprised that you didn't have more of a moan about the, the, the lack of uh, TV coverage, but... I understand, especially with away games and all. Like that's you have to mercy the away team. So I didn't really want to go into that too much. So yeah, complete marketing shield. Should it go in? Should it get more marketing push? I think regardless of who's coming to the Aviva Stadium, not it. Like I, I, I don't have a major issue with anyone coming over. I think the price of the ticket and we we've talked about it even after camera. Like as two Manchester United fans would have been interested to see them coming over, but hmm. the price of ticket is uh, really yeah uh, yeah. Outpricing any sort of family day out that, that you, you'd want to be going to. So, well, surely the it, tickets, Nathan, uh, the, the money they're going to make from the game, the the marketing is budgeted within that. Yeah, that's I think, regardless of, of teams coming over, it just didn't need to be more of a league. Like, if you know, it and Celtic never came to the Aviva Stadium, there still is a lack of marketing. Uh, like, it's the same marketing push for the League of Ireland as a whole. So, I wouldn't really pigeon to hold the two of them in together I wouldn't categorise the lack of League of Ireland marketing it's not the fault of Celtic coming over to playing Wolves or Manchester United coming over or Liverpool whoever comes in over I think regardless of that there just there needs to be more of a, a marketing push for the League of Ireland whether that be the basic I know these things got money but you think your basic things like um, billboards and public advertising things like that like television advertisements so I, I necessarily wouldn't think the two of them going hand to hand together whatsoever. So the answer is no. Uh, I think no. we're both in agreement there. I don't think that there actually is that money to be put into the League of Ireland. I think it's probably part and parcel of the whole package that they would have money set aside from whatever money they're going to receive uh, on the day through ticket sales and through the, the money they have, you know, purchased and drinks and all that sort of stuff so uh, it's a whole package and if the game wasn't happening that money wouldn't be there and so therefore no marketing for League of Ireland anyhow so it's not really a thing Before we uh, sign off actually just talking about Celtic Packy Bonner, do you see this one? Packy Bonner wants, uh, I believe he's, he's angling for 
Celtic to outright boy Shamrock Rovers and use them as a feeder club. Little yeah. transition there while we had Celtic on our lips. Let's have a look at this because this is something. So he's part, he's still part of the FAI, isn't he? Yeah, he's an FAI committee member. Oh, so he's a committee member, right? So he's someone who's within the FAI and he thinks that clubs should come over and use Irish teams as feeder clubs. Mm. Buy them out and use them as feeder clubs. So we can look at it in two ways. You can look at the teams like Waterford and Shelbourne who are getting taken over and these the multiple uh, football team strategies and then some of them would say that they're not feeder clubs. That are they? Are they not? We don't know. What What is a, what is essentially a feeder club? Because is a feeder club, I suppose the technical term is a feeder club. Basically, you take over a team and you take all profits and and etc. And all all any youth players that come across and there's no none of that money that goes into the club, or what the, I suppose the whole chairman turned around and said they wouldn't they're not going to be a feeder club so does that mean that for Shelbourne that if a player goes from Shelbourne to Hull that Shelbourne will profit from that nonetheless is, is that really the definition then so you'll either profit or won't so is Packy Bonner saying Celtic should buy Shamrock Rovers let's say and Shamrock Rovers shouldn't profit from anything that Celtic get that would seem bizarre for someone who is within the FAI to say. Yeah, that would be a weird stance to take. Um, that's the, like I get there's the relationship there with Dermot Desmond. So what's it's, what's Desmond? Twenty five percent stakeholder at Rovers, isn't he? Uh, I mean, was, like we seen, you know, the uh, the if, if, I don't know, the unofficial feeder system gone. Clubs are always going to have players going to and form, but it was a Liam Scales heading over to Celtic. Now we have Johnny Kenny on the books of Celtic this season, or Shamrock Rovers this season, sorry, uh, from Celtic, from the B side. Just couldn't get a run out, so, so they came, brought him over. I think if you look for the definition of it, uh, mine would be how aggressive they're, they're going about it. Like if you want to be an out and out developmental like farming system for Celtic, to, to really, really to, uh, to do that, to be aggressive about it, it would be for me to for Rovers to not like the Rovers making money wouldn't be the main concept of the relationship. It would be to just cherry pick the, the best players in that academy and bring them over and maybe offset and offload uh, young lads looking to go out on loan or young lads are just adding up the snuff uh, for Celtic, as an example, uh, whatsoever. I think they try to hide around a little bit now, don't they? With, uh, the multi-club portfolio too try to, mm. to, to jazz it up a little bit I, I in a similar one I thought it was a strange statement to come out someone Packy Bonner that I could get it as a Celtic legend um, and it was on a Celtic that, podcast wasn't it so I was on hey. I think it was on the official Celtic podcast itself okay. man um, but yes someone like that has a, a standing within the FEI as well I thought it was a strange stance to take it's probably no secret that it's something that Celtic will probably do and they did like to do with Shamrock Rovers, but maybe probably not as aggressive as what I just said. Like the Rovers still they have to be their own entity and make their make their own money and survive off their own back too. But just been well, a relationship would decide, that would be decided by Celtic if they bought them. Mm, you know that yeah. wouldn't be decided by Shamrock Rovers. So if Shamrock Rovers decided to sell, if they didn't want that to happen, happen, they probably would have to turn that down. And then 
listen, I don't believe Shamrock Rovers are making money in this league. I haven't seen enough players come through their youth system to be making, you know, a good turnover. So at the moment, I would say Shamrock Rovers with their full time, I'd say they're probably maybe struggling a little bit. Looks, they, they look like, I, I don't, who who came through? Maku, was it? Maku went to Millwall, yeah. But how many other players have gone and they've made money off? I know they made money off Bazunu at the start. That that was a big one. But between them, I'm not sure there's there's too many. I know Andy Lyons has gone across, but these are these are not big big money that that's going across. So did they yeah. really need to be churning out an awful lot more for an awful lot more money? So at some stage they have to be producing two or three players a year that you can try and get rid of. Um, and that's very, very hard to do. So something like Celtic could financially keep them alive, you know, for a long, long time. You know, they wouldn't have to worry about their finances then. But then again, would they ever progress as a club? That's the, the worry. Yeah, because there as well, like, even the likes of Danny Mandreu didn't go for an awful lot of money. Kevin Zaki was not tapped into whatsoever. Uh, uh, Justin Fraser, even on the books now, hasn't made a, an awful lot of appearances this season. A young lad that's a cracking talent, and he really mm. could have tapped into him and gave him a, a decent bit of run now, put him in the shop window, even for lack of a better term, and I moved him on for a really good price. But it looks like that's not going to be the case at all. So, yeah, it, it, it's a strange one, well, a strange one for Packy Bonner to come out with. Um, I don't know how are we on time when we finish up a little small bit with the women's national team, Roy, in the World Cup. Before yeah, we bounce off the call of the night. Yeah. Wasn't the best start, was it? <laughs> 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 I didn't want to just, I don't like, I probably had to just shooting that segment in the head from the Wonder Wood goal. But yeah, one of the defeat Australia in the opening game on uh, on Thursday in Sydney. Wasn't quite the sellout we were all hoping for, but 75,784 in attendance. That's, that's staggering. It's absolutely brilliant to see. The atmosphere was brilliant. Some great videos of the team before they walked out of the tunnel. You could just see, see how much it meant to them on their faces. Uh, Unfortunately, I said one of the defeat Australia, the goal courtesy of Arsenal, Stephanie Catley, uh, penalty in the 52nd minute. Uh, it was a clumsy uh, arms up by uh, Shiva. You could see that they were getting, getting caught out uh, a few times. Look, there was obviously a lot of pride coming after that get after the game, uh, a lot of pride in the performance. It was a stern performance. They were, Jesus, nowhere near disgraced. Uh, Australia would be one of the leading the favourites going into the competition, yeah. even without the superstar star, uh, Sam Clare. It's it's a team chock full of talent. Um, I thought it really showed the like in the first half the the, the main thing they were going for. Obviously, we're going on top of the set pieces, but the only main really threat we looked like we we're going to show was going off the counter attack. But in the first half, zero shots and target, and that really really did show there wasn't much of an attacking threat at all. I thought in the Jordan set. That's up. just the way we were set up, though, wasn't it? It's not that that we couldn't. You've seen that in the last fifteen minutes that we're we're capable of playing in a certain manner. But you obviously, I can understand you can't just go out and be gung ho. You'd be two or three nil down by half time. So you do have to go into a World Cup game like that, especially in an opener, and make sure you're solid for a while. It's just disappointing that a goal would kind of turn things around for you. And I know the goal was early enough in the second half. I think it was ten minutes into the second half. So yeah, that, yeah. Um, and and listen, we didn't lose that game because of that penalty. Yes, you can turn around and say you don't make mistakes, but people make mistakes. Yeah. And 
if we're not getting shots on target, well, that's an issue. You can't you can't win games nil nil. So we have to come up with something a little bit different than that. And you know, a couple of the players coming off the bench look good. We we just looked a different outfit, a bit more positive. And I think when we're playing Canada, we have to play with that tempo, with that aggression, uh, with that passion, but also with a little bit of, I suppose, brave play and don't be afraid to go at them. Don't be afraid to have a go at them. Don't be afraid to make those forward runs. Get yourself into the box uh, while also still being cautious and working hard on your defensive side, you know. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. I thought around the last 15 minutes you could see a real flurry. I was saying that most rewards coming from set pieces, but we looked like... in our last, uh, the last, I think it was five of our last six games, we haven't scored a goal. And it, it showed, it really did show in a, in a lot of ways in the attacking trade. I thought it was strange. Uh, there was one stage, Amber Barrett was warming up and never made out made onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. thought that was a weird one. Look, from a League of Ireland point of view, I thought Abby Lark, Shamrock Rovers, Abby Larkin was brilliant when she came on. I thought she was one of the, the standout players from an Irish point of view, but a, but a lot of spark uh, going forwards. I'd like to see probably with Canada, the likes of Katie McCabe, be given a bit more of a free range. I, I know she's literally acting as a win back at one stage, but mm. I'd like to see her be given a little bit more uh, free range going forward. Like I said, dare a little bit, be a bit, little bit more dangerous and show a little bit more because it doesn't get any easier. Like a game against Canada, uh, that's actually going to be tomorrow at the time of recording. So probably not much point giving this, much of it. You probably know not, the result already. Yeah, there's probably not much we, point we just, giving a lot of predictions, but uh, no. I would like to see us be a little bit more daring. It's going to be a, a difficult war. Like Canada, seven rank seven in the world. Uh, they got to the round of 16 in the 2019 World Cup, got to the quarterfinals in 2015 when they were the hosts. Um, but even themselves, I think they only have one win in the last six games too. So, And listen, they drew with Nigeria. So yeah. we, what we know already, if Ireland lose, they're out. So yeah. Ireland can't afford to lose. They need to get two results. They need Obviously, with two wins would be great. But if they got a draw and a, and, a, and a win in the last two games, it gives them an opportunity, gives them some hope. Um, it all depends what Nigeria does and, and again, what Canada do. Uh, but don't lose. And and if we can go out and not lose, I just hope that that doesn't mean they tried to go out and get that nil nil and then. But even if they did, and it was the worst game you ever seen in your life, at least you're going into the last game with everything to fight for, and that's what we want, and that's what we we really need. This Irish team, we wanted to go all the way down to the wire and not be finished on the second game. So, a uh, bit of luck tomorrow. They can turn it around. They can get something on the board and. Uh, listen, they've been brilliant so far in that game. They have, in all fairness, they missed their first competition, our first game in, in this competition, first game in a major tournament. So it doesn't all, you know, when we went into Euro 88 and we went into Italia 90, we had some of the best players in the world at that stage. So Ireland don't claim, the women's team don't claim to have that. We do have good players though. You know, we do have good players and we can make ourselves difficult to beat and we're capable of beating teams. So uh, it'll be very, especially when I look at the likes of France playing against Jamaica, and today New Zealand got beaten by the Philippines. You know, there's everything's there. You know, go out and do it. So work hard and stick to your game plan and do not think too negatively. So uh, 
They're not even listening to us. I don't even know why we're talking. <laughs> and it's definitely, there's one, there's one somewhere in, in a bleeding, in a hotel in Perth listening to your boys talking. We're all behind them anyhow. So this is, yeah, it, yeah, it, and it's great to be able to watch a bit of football during the summer as well. So I'm, uh, right. I definitely helps. It does, does. Okay, listen, Nathan, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for you for listening too. We will talk to you again next week.